We're in uh, Genesis chapter 40 today, so if you turn in your Bible to chapter 40, actually we're going to start in chapter 39 uh, and then read through chapter 40. So here we are, we're, we're looking at the life of Joseph, and we've been looking at it as a, as a series, and we see that Joseph is a type of Christ, and we've looked at these pictures, these analogies of how Joseph is just like Christ is to us. Uh, and we're going to pick that theme up again next week, but this week we're going to kind of move away from that because in chapter 40 we see a different aspect of Joseph. We see Joseph representing us, the church in this world today. So, and uh, as I work our way through this, we'll be able to see. Okay, let's start in chapter 39 in the middle of verse 20, if you'd like to follow along. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. Now, I want to stop right there for a minute. While Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. You know, you know what it means? The Lord's with him. In prison. We usually think somebody's in prison, the Lord's not with them. But the pattern here that I want us to see is that Joseph is in prison. There are limitations on him. He's got a dream. Remember this dream he had? He expects to be a leader someday. People are going to look to him as a leader. But he's in prison. Where's the dream? Where's the reality? Where's this all coming about? It's, it's like us. We have a dream. We know enough about the Bible that we want to be in heaven, but we're not. I mean, we're down here in this place. We deal with troubles day after day. Not going to have troubles like that in heaven, so we've got a dream, but it's not reality. It's not our today. And right in the middle of us being in our prison, our limitation, the Lord's favor is there. The Lord's going to work through him, as we're going to see. Let's, let's go on and read through this first point. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. But the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now, does this sound familiar? This sounds like the same kind of terminology when Joseph was in Potiphar's house as a servant. God gave him so much favor. He was so successful at what he did that Potiphar didn't worry about it anymore. He just turned everything over to Joseph because God's favor was upon him. And now we see the same kind of thing happening when he's sitting in prison. God's favor is upon him. So the prison warden just puts Joseph in charge. I mean, amazing turnaround. And I want to say, God, do that with me. God, take my humble life and let me do something significant in the kingdom. So here's the, the first thing I want us to write down. That first blank, prison can be a place of opportunity. A place of opportunity. We don't typically see that, do we? 
We don't look for opportunity. We want to we find success first, and then there will be opportunity. But he's telling us right in prison there's opportunity. Paul tells us in the New Testament, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He's, the earthen vessel, by the way, is you and me. We're the clay pot. In some cases, the crack pot. You know, it's got a big crack in it. We're not perfect. Clay. Clay comes from earth. It's going to go back to earth someday. But he's not talking about clay pots. He's talking about this treasure. What's the, this treasure he's talking about? He's talking about the favor of God, the Holy Spirit, the essence of God living inside of us clay pots. We're weak, we're feeble, we live down here on planet Earth, but we have the power of God inside of us. And we need to keep reminding ourselves of that because we tend to focus on our weakness. We tend to focus on our humanness instead of the divine spirit that's inside of us. It's a place of opportunity. And we're learning from Joseph that your lot in life does not limit God's favor in your life. Sometimes we think, well, I've got this bum job. I don't get paid much. I don't get to accomplish much. So God's favor can't be upon me. Wrong, wrong, wrong. God's favor can be upon you any place, wherever you are. It does not limit just because you find yourself in a prison someplace or in a low position someplace. It doesn't make any difference. In my toolbox at home, I have some big tools. I also have some small tools because I have different kinds of jobs that have to be done. And some jobs call for a sledgehammer. Some jobs call for a power saw. And then some jobs call for those real little tiny screwdrivers with a star head on it or something, you know, some weird thing. They're always inventing something new, so you got to go buy new tools. Some jobs require small tools. Some jobs require big tools. And in the church of Jesus Christ, he places us like tools in a toolbox. Some of us are big shots. I mean, we're making pretty good money. We rub shoulders with some of the business people in the community. God puts us in the church so that we can be uh, tools to reach certain people. And others of us, he puts us in a place where we can identify with and communicate really well with people who have very humble jobs, not making a whole lot of money. And so the church of Jesus Christ can speak to everybody. We can understand every problem. We have a variety of people here that come from a variety of different backgrounds. Some of us have been through some real crisis times in our life that brought us here so that we can identify with other people in crisis times. Amen. It's a place of opportunity. Let's go on with our story because we're going to read quite a chunk here and, and I want to take advantage of our time. Chapter 40 Starting in verse 1, the story unfolds. Sometime later, in other words, we don't know how long it was Joseph sat there in that prison. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offered their master, the king of Egypt, 
offended rather, offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. Interesting twist of events. Was this just a coincidence that these two state prisoners find themselves in the same section of the prison as Joseph? Or was it God designed? And if we conclude it was God's design, then God had something to do with him landing in prison. You see this twist? We don't see it all till it all plays out. We would not ever think, well, God wouldn't send somebody to prison. But if there's something that needs fixed and we, have, we are the gift, we are the unique people to deal with that, why would he not? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know I like that about God. But do we want to be him to be our God or do we not? What happened to that? Okay. Prison can be a place of obscurity. You know what obscure means? Not clear, not distinct, kind of hidden away, packed away someplace. So, Joseph, we learned that Joseph is not in the county jail. He's in a state prison. He's in with state prisoners. The chief cupbearer and the chief baker are terms that make us think they were kind of low position. But actually, they were on the king's cabinet. It's like the president. We elect a president of our country, and he puts people in key places of leadership to advise him and to execute the decisions he makes. So he picks out, always picks out people that think like he thinks. That's what President Trump has done. That's what Barack Obama did before him, and that's what every president does. If you're in a leadership place and they elected you to get a job done, you would help, you would get people around you to do that particular job. So the king has appointed a chief cupbearer. Let's think about that position. It might be better termed the chief butler because his job wasn't just pouring some wine in the king's cup. His job was to manage everything that has to be done around a big banquet. So when the king's going to have a big state dinner and have a lot of big shots in around the table, it was the chief butler's job, the chief cupbearer, to make sure that everything, everything goes in sequence. All the, all the courses are served in, in the correct order and that everybody had, a, had the invitations, everybody had seats. It was his job to order all that. It was a key position. He was a key advisor to the king. And it was his job to make sure the king didn't get poisoned with some poison in his drink. So the chief cupbearer had the responsibility of drinking whatever the pharaoh, the king, drank before he drank it. So if you had to drink whatever the king was going to drink, you'd be a little bit careful there wasn't some poison in that too. That's what the chief cupbearer did. And along with him is the, the chief baker. 
Now, a baker tends to be kind of a back room job, kind of back out of the way. But in reality, we ought to upgrade him to the term chef. Now, you don't think of a chef working at a burger joint. A chef, you know, they fix fine cuisine. They get the best food around. It's all fixed just right. It's presented really nice and elaborate. It's his job to get the right food in there. So that when you have state guests in, kings and, and representatives of other countries, everybody's impressed. And it's his job to make sure nobody gets sick when they eat it. So he had to eat what they were going to eat beforehand. Well, something went wrong with the system. I got a pretty good idea, although the Bible doesn't tell us. The king got one whopper of a bellyache after some meal sometime. How many have ever had a whopper of a bellyache? The rest of you can't remember. Everybody has. We eat something that doesn't agree with us. Maybe it sat, sat around a little bit longer than it should have before we put it in the fridge. Maybe it was be maybe it had nothing to do with the food. Maybe it had something to do with some bug going around. And we shook hands with, with somebody in church and then we went home and the next day we don't feel good. We don't know where that come from. Was it a virus? Was it a, a, a bacterial thing? Did somebody try to poison my drink? We don't know that. Well, the Pharaoh ate something that didn't treat him well. And so he got offended. That's, that's the big problem we all have, you know. You can't go through life and not have people offend you. I mean, people just are rude. People take advantage of you for their own ends. You can't go through life and, and not have people offend you. But it's up to you if you're going to pick that offense up or not. If you pick it up and carry it around like you got an axe to grind and you're... you're you're hurting on the inside and you're angry and you just carry that anger around and you harbor that resentment, that's an offense. It'll hold you back, not them. Hold you back. So I learned a long time ago when somebody offends me, the best thing to do is give it to God. God, you saw what they did. I'm your servant. I'm just trying to do the right thing. You saw what they did. I'm going to give it to you. You, you can treat them however you want. And it gets it off my shoulders. I don't have to carry anger around. I don't have to look for an opportunity to get even. I just give it to God. And God does a much better job than I could anyway. Where am I at? i got to look at my notes. Oh, yeah. The chief cupbearer and the chief baker end up in prison. And Joseph is put in charge of them. The, one, the man who God has favored. Now, in, in my house, Anita is the chief chef. Only rarely does she say, what do you want for supper? She asked me that about Sunday dinner because it's my birthday dinner. We got a birthday party and everybody's coming in. And she said to me right up front, she said, I don't want to make meatloaf. Because she knows that's what I want. <laughs> so I told her, I want a cheeseburger 
cooked on the grill because I know when we fire the grill up, it's my son Nathan that's going to cook the cheeseburgers, and he cooks mine well. I like them well done. So either this was a coincidence that they find up in jail together, or it was by God's design. I'll leave the interpretation of that up to you. But he's, your prison can put you in a place of obscurity. You want to be important, but you're not important. Sometimes uh, our life is our prison. Let's look at how the story unfolds uh, the second half of verse 4. After they, had, have, after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. That's significant. We'll get back to that in a minute. Because the next blank, number three, is your prison can be a place of office where you function within the gifting that God has put within you in prison. Why are you so sad, Joseph asked him. Now, I'll pretty much guarantee you, over here at the county jail, the jailer who's in charge of taking care of the prisoners could care less if there's a smile on the prisoner's face or not. Their job is to keep them secure. But I want us to note this about Joseph. He cares about the prisoners. And he sees a look of, of dejection, uh, pain, failure, some kind of sadness on the expression on their face. So he says, why are you so sad? He opens the door. He asks them the question. This is a good lesson for us because we tend to not care what other people, what's the look on their face? What difference does it make to me? But if you don't open the door, God can't use the gift inside of you to speak to them. You open the door simply by saying, you kind of look troubled today. Are you doing okay? If they don't want to talk to you, that's their business. But you just opened the door. Now there's an opportunity for them to carry on this exchange. He cares, Joseph cares about the others. And we need to understand this. We live in a fallen world. There are broken dreams everywhere. There are disappointed lives. There are broken relationships all around us. It's a fallen world. There is trouble all around us with the people that we work with, the people that we live next to. There's trouble because it's a fallen world, not because somebody did a bad thing. There's always going to be bad things coming to people. Where is the justice in this world? Have you ever asked that question? I have. Where's the justice? This world is missing justice. Oh, I've, I think we've got a great court system, but it's missing justice. Just because you hurt my feelings, I can't take you to the court system. There just isn't justice. So, Joseph says to the two guys who had the dream, 
don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. In other words, I represent God. He wouldn't have put those two together if he wasn't saying, I represent God. You see, Joseph knows something about dreams. He's had a couple of his own. Got him in trouble. But he understands something about dreams. And all through Joseph's life, he has encounters with either his own dreams or someone else's dreams. He's learning this is a gift. God works through him with interpreting dreams with other people. So he says, tell me your dreams. And this is the significant thing. It looks like God has abandoned him. He's sitting down here in this prison. He's sitting down here with, these, with, with, with losers. He's sitting down here with no way to make his life count or have any value. And he doesn't know if he's ever going to come out of this prison. But he understands that there's a gift of God that works within him. I want us to grab a hold of this. Because there is a gift of God that works in you. We have to discover that gift, develop that gift, and deploy that gift. It's our job to allow God to develop the gifts in us. But the problem is when we find ourselves in prison with some kind of limitations, with our, our life kind of bound up where we can't move forward, we tend to want to give up on God. If God doesn't take care of me, I guess I can't expect anything from him. But Joseph never did that. He expects something from God. Tell me your dream. He understands God is still with him, and he sees himself as a representative of God. I think you and I, together, this church, and, and churches like ours, if, if we could just see ourselves as representatives of God, I think we'd turn our communities upside down. Instead of trying to see ourselves as a member of the community, we should see ourselves as a representative of God in our community. When life is uncertain, we need to be certain about God. And God is always going to be there. Okay, so let's go to, to uh, the fourth thing I want us to see, which is, starts in verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what that means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. So here's the, the fourth O word. Prison can be a place of overcoming. Your prison, your limitation can be a place of overcoming. He's helping this guy overcome his problem. It's a picture of redemption, really. 
because the cupbearer takes the grapes in his dream. He takes the grapes, squeezes them over a cup, and the juice runs into a cup. And he takes the cup, and he gives it to Pharaoh. What does grape juice represent in the Bible? It represents the blood. There's a, there's a verse in Genesis that talks about wine being the blood of grapes. Represents, for us, we just took communion a little bit ago. We know that that grape juice uh, represents the blood of Christ. The bread represents the body of Christ. He told us to do it as often as we do it in remembrance of Him. So Joseph here says, remember me. Remember me like Jesus did. And the blood represents the shed blood of Jesus, the redemption, the innocent paying the price for the guilty. And he gives it to the king. Place of overcoming. Let's go to the next part. There in verse 16, the story goes on. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given him favorable interpretation, a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what that means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put, put the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The word here is openness. I've, you see, I, I'm an upbeat person. I'm, I'm, uh, I want to be optimistic. I want to see light. I want to be positive. And so I want to talk to you, and I want to be encouraging, and I want to tell you how much God loves you and what an awesome plan he has for your life. Hang on. Don't give up yet. Uh, we, we're just about to see the, the good news coming. But there are times when we have to tell somebody, what were you thinking? What did you think was going to happen when you did that? What impact did you think that was going to have on your marriage? What impact did you think that's going to have on your job, on your career, on your finances, on your reputation? Weren't you thinking about that? Sometimes we've got to be a little bit confrontive. Sometimes we have to be not so nice because people need to realize God is love, yes, but he's also just. And if we violate what he tells us not to do, there's a price to pay. For Christians and non-Christians, there's a price to pay. And so Joseph here has to give some not-so-good news as he interprets the man's dream. We don't know why one man gets a good dream report and another guy gets a bad dream report. God knows, God knows their lives and he's responsible for that. But I'm reminded as I read this story 
that there are three men here in prison. Joseph, the chief baker, and the chief cupbearer. And it reminds me of the three men at the end of the Gospels where Jesus was nailed to a cross. Those spikes went through his wrists and his feet and he was hoisted up on that cross condemned as a sinner in his own prison. And on one side there's a thief on the cross who cries out to him and says, remember me. And Jesus looks over and gives him a good report. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, gee, I thought I was, I thought I was kind of hoping you'd get us out of this. No, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's what it's all about. Not you getting delivered from the cross. Spend an eternity in heaven. That's what it's all about. And there's a thief on the other side of him. There's three of them on that hill. There's a thief on the other side who is mocking him because everybody else is doing that. He wants to join the crowd. He wants to go along the easy way, what everybody else is doing. So he starts mocking him. Well, if that's really you, just call down the angels from heaven to deliver you. If that's really you, deliver yourself from the cross if you're who you say you are. And Jesus doesn't say anything to that guy He's going to die in a few minutes. And he's going to have to stand before God and give account of his life. But this guy over here has got a promise. He's hanging on to that promise. Today, he's going to be with Jesus in paradise. So there's three crosses. Jesus is on the cross of redemption. This guy's on the cross of reception. This guy's on the cross of rejection. I don't want to ever be on a cross of rejection. No way. And the only way for there to be a reception of the good news is to go through Jesus. No man comes to the Father but through me, Jesus says. There's one more of these. It's the shortest of the bunch, but perhaps the most powerful. It's in verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Oh, what bad news. He went through all that and nothing. He served with no reward. Have you ever served with no reward? I have. But there's always a reward. Just because I don't get a reward right now doesn't mean there's not a reward coming. So this is what we're going to call, your prison can be a place of order. Because you're not in order of your time schedule, God is. You may think you're in charge of your time schedule. I've learned I'm not in charge of my time schedule. A flat tire can be in charge of my time schedule. The telephone can be in charge of my time schedule. My wife can be in charge of my time schedule. But timing, according to God's schedule, is crucial for every one of us. What is God's timing? What might have happened if the cupbearer had remembered Joseph and spoke up to the king? Well, it's possible 
since he just got hired back, the king is not interested in doing any favors for this guy who was once a problem to him, and it might have gone bad for the cupbearer. It's also possible that if he had spoken up and Pharaoh released Joseph, that Potiphar felt like he's got some honor to defend. If they're going to release Joseph, who tried to have an affair with my wife, maybe I need to do justice myself. And maybe he would have attempted to harm Joseph. Or perhaps they would have deported him back to the land of the Hebrews. And if he got deported back to the land of the Hebrews before Esau is ready to make peace with him, his brothers already promised to kill him next time he saw him. You see, there's several things that could go wrong if it's not in the right timing. There's several things that could go wrong in your life if it's not in God's timing. Sometimes we want to get ahead of ourselves. So Joseph's kind of got a dilemma. His brothers forsook him. Potiphar's wife framed him. And the butler forgot him. So there he sits in prison where he's safe. Sometimes my prison, I don't like it. I feel like I, I'm strapped down. I feel like I'm held back. I want to be liberated, but I feel like I'm confined right here. It's possible I'm there because that's the safe place for me while God takes care of some other things before he fulfills his promise to me. Joseph served with no reward. He stays in his prison where he's safe. So I'm glad the story doesn't end there, by the way. It goes on. Next week we get into chapter 41 and we begin to see the tide turn. We begin to see that God is patient but sure. He's going to turn some things around. But I want to leave us with this scripture in uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. God is good. He's got good thoughts. He's got good plans. He's got good dreams for you. He's a good God who wants to do good things. And we have to see Him as a good God. We can't see Him as a God who's forgotten us just because we're still waiting. He's going he's to give strength to those who wait. It's a promise in the Word. So here's how I'm associating that and relating that. We are human beings who have met Jesus Christ, our Savior. And because we've entered into a covenant, He sends His Holy Spirit to take residence inside of us. And He gives us creative ideas, creative ideas on how to prosper in our family, in our marriage, in our business. He gives us creative ideas. Those are the gifts He works through us. We've got some great promises, but most of those promises have to do with heaven someday in the future. So hanging on to my promises and living down here is kind of like a prison. I'm bound up. I can't be what I know God wants me to be. I'm down here. But right in the middle of my prison, God's favor is still there. 
God still favors us. God will still prosper us. God will still guide us. God is with us no matter where we end up, no matter what we do for a living, no matter where we live, no matter what other people say, no matter what other people do, God still lives in me. So I'm a winner. I have to keep telling myself that because I doubt, just like you do. So I have to keep encouraging myself. Let's stand together. Now, my question is, I wonder if there are people here, and this message resonates with you, because you know that there's something in you that feels like you're held back. You know God's spoken to you, but you just feel like you're held back, and the, the holding back seems to just go on and on. If that's you, I want to pray for you. So if you feel like you're being held back, would you leave your seat and come down to this altar? I want to pray for you, that God will liberate you from this, this being held back, whatever it is, this prison you find yourself in. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And that's between you and God what the prison is. You know it. You recognize it or you wouldn't have come up. God wants to liberate you. He wants to set you free. He wants to set us all free. He, God, through His Spirit, was able to speak to the cupbearer good news. And later, much later, the cupbearer remembers, oh, yeah. And that's what gets Joseph out of prison. It was timing. It wasn't the fact that... that, that God didn't do it. It was timing. And I believe it's that, I believe God wants me to say to those of you standing here at the altar, there's a timing involved here. And I know you want to hurry it up. I know you're anxious to see the timing get fulfilled, but there's other things that have to happen. It's like, it's like uh, something in the oven. It's a bunch of nasty stuff all put together and it's sitting in the oven cooking and it's got to get cooked. And all that nasty t stuff just turns sweet. Melt in your mouth, sweet. But it's got to finish cooking. You can't get it out too soon. It still tastes half bad. You got to wait till it gets completely baked. That's a word for somebody. Heavenly Father, we pray right now for these that are standing here, God. They're, they're saying as their own testimony, they feel like there's this oppression, something holding them back. They're like in this prison, and this prison is this earth we, we're in. It's the circumstances we find ourselves in. And Father, we're going to pray right now that the grace of God is just going to move in each of these people. God, your favor is just going to move in these lives. God, that you're going to speak words of wisdom, that you're going to speak life to them, God. That the enemy who tries to hold us down. The chains are broken right now in the name of the Lord. We pray, God, that this darkness, there's a darkness, and I pray the light is going to shine through that darkness. There's like a dark cloud. I see in my mind this dark cloud is going to part, and the sun is going to shine through that. We pray, God, that you're going to give favor, that you're going to give them wisdom to speak like Joseph spoke and interpreted this dream. God, give their minds sharpness and clarity. God, I pray that you're going to help us to realize we're never alone with you. You're always right there by our side. You've promised to never leave us, never forsake us. Help us to understand that, to embrace that. I pray, God, that the, your, your favor is going to come out loud. I don't know what that means, but God, it comes, it's going to come out loud. 
You're going to speak in the still small voice, but it's going to come out of us loud. I pray, God, that you would, you would speak through us. God, let there be renewal. Let there be renewal. God, I pray for a second chance. I, I don't know why that's in my mind, but I feel like you're saying there's a second chance. And we sometimes doubt ourselves because we failed the first time. God wants to give us a second chance. He wants to give us a renewed opportunity. God is good in his very nature. He wants to renew us. He wants to empower us. He wants to let his life flow through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God is good. Amen. Go with God. He loves you.